0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Emerging Roots podcast. I am so thankful that you are here and that you are listening to this episode. I do encourage you to listen to this full episode, um, not necessarily in one sitting, but just listen to all of it because there is a lot of moving pieces that go into the discussion of the Enneagram because I do make a lot of heavy claims that I believe to be true and I want you to hear the entire reasoning behind them. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode, grab your drink of choice and let's get into it. everybody. I'm so thankful you're here. I'm so thankful that we can talk about the Enneagram together. This is something that I used to be obsessed with. My uh, husband now, boyfriend at the time, Miller, he could tell and he told me all the time that I was obsessed with the Enneagram. I, I believe and I know that the Enneagram is demonic and that the church needs to stop using it, needs to stop promoting it, and Christians as a whole need to rebuke it. Let me tell you some of the things that I see within the church, and then we'll get into why we need to just chill out with this thing. So I see a lot of churches, I've seen several actually in the last few years, create series, Around the Enneagram and how you can use the Enneagram to help better your life. But as we talked about last week, the devil dresses up in sheep's clothing. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He disguises himself as an angel of light. So, this is one of those tactics of spiritual warfare that I feel from what we know about it is one of those things that is fully dark on the inside but is trying to cover itself up as something that is good and pleasing and perfect in the sight of the Lord, but in reality, it's not. Um, I've also seen counselors, like pastors that are counseling couples, premarital, friendships, whatever, just people in general, have used the Enneagram to help them understand themselves rather than using scripture to help understand themselves. Um, They've used it as a main source of guidance. I've seen people as a whole guide their friendships and romantic relationships off of it. And they've also used it, myself personally, especially with this last one, has used it as a justification for what I did and for what other people do, rather than taking the way that I am, lining it up with scripture, and then getting better and looking more like Christ, and those are a few of my qualms with this. I just wanted to tell you kind of the things that you need to be thinking about and that you have seen with other people and within the church before we even really get into why this whole thing is really a mess, demonic, and should be left alone as a whole. So I did want to start out by reading part of Psalm 19 to you. The heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It burst forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The, dec- the decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are warming to your servant, a great reward for those who obey obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servants from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sins. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. So this is something, personal thought testimony for a second. With this Enneagram, It was kind of taking over me, not kind of, it was. I use the word obsession and I don't use it lightly. I was very obsessed with it. And I know a lot of my friends also used to be obsessed with it um, or even used it even in a slight way to guide their life. And that was a hidden fault for me that I had to pray, Lord, cleanse me from these hidden faults because I didn't know when I was speaking these things, I was speaking against the name of the Lord and I wasn't seeking wisdom from him, but rather from People that were against him well and I think the Enneagram though it may seem so small to you it has really taken over in a large way and that's another way I can't remember if I mentioned this before but Satan's sneaky how did he come to Eve as a snake he was sneaky and conniving in the way that he did it he twisted the words of the Lord and thought that he could and did successfully tempt Eve into following his guidance and his wisdom. And I believe that the Enneagram is similar. It's sneaky, it's conniving. And some of the things that it says and states and the authors of it are conniving. Whether they realize they're against the word of the Lord or not, it's still happening. So with all that being said, (laughs) let's jump into this Enneagram situation. Some of you, may not even know what the Enneagram is, have a loose understanding, have a deep understanding. Who knows? So if you Google this, <laughs> the Enneagram is a nine-sided figure. Notice here that they do not use the word pentagram. Hello, friends. Editing McKenna hopping on here. I'm going to say pentagram a lot. I do understand that pentagram is a five-sided polygon. Um, but... If you look at some versions of the Enneagram, you will notice that it actually is a version of a pentagram that has been kind of sewn together, if you will, you would kind of have to look it up to understand. But now back to our normally scheduled program. Okay, a nine sided figure used in a particular system of analysis to represent the spectrum of possible, possible personality types. In another article, it says it contains components of Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Taoism, Buddhism, and some ancient Greek philosophy. Now, just sidebar, all of the articles and research that I have done for this, they will be linked in the description because it is a lot. And there's a lot of detail that I will leave out um, simply because this would be two hours long (laughs) if I didn't. So... If you want to do more research on this and just dig a little deeper into each person that I am going to discuss because some of them I will go over briefly, um, that is all in the description for you. Now, the Enneagram that we know today was really only truly developed in the 60s. There was a lot that happened before that to get to where it was, but it really, what we see today, the nine types, the wings, whatever else there is, was in the 60s. Also, um, whenever I was reading the definition, I pointed out that it said nine-sided figure rather than a pentagram, and that is because if you look it up, obviously I don't have a video to show you, but if you look up the Enneagram, it is in the visual of a pentagram, and the reason they don't use that verbiage is because that shape is often associated with occult groups witches Satanists, people that are consider themselves to be pagan of some sort so i can understand why you wouldn't want to use that verbiage and now with this we could literally start all the way back in 200 BC with a guy named Plutonius. He believed that there were nine divine qualities in human nature. We're not going to dig deep into any of those today, but they do coincide partially with what is present day modern Enneagram. We move forward just a little bit and there's this guy named Ramon Lull. And he believed that there were a number of basic undeniable truths in all fields of knowledge and that everything could be understood by studying combinations of these elemental truths as he called them he was trying to if you look up this guy ramon Lowell, you'll see he was a man of faith or what he thought to be faith and he was trying to bring faith and logic together to understand everything around him and to help everybody else that was also around him understand our world a little better. Which, from our perspective, sounds great. Sounds great. You're bringing faith and logic into one, which is exactly what Christianity is. There are some things within Christianity that obviously our logic, it it supersedes our logic. And that is where our faith comes in But there are a ton of logical, scientific arguments for Christianity. All of science, in my opinion, as a science teacher, points to Christianity. But don't get too optimistic because he also claimed in the same breath that God, like big G God, our God, has only 16 attributes as a whole. 16 period, which, okay, it sounds great until you realize that he was saying this is all God is. God is wrapped up entirely in these 16 attributes, which simply is not true based on the attributes that he has picked, and God is not limited to our human knowledge. Not only this... But this man's goal was to get all religions or really he wanted all religions to agree, but he was mainly focusing on those Islamic religions as well as Christianity. He was really wanting them to agree, but he was limiting God in the process and also negating salvation through the cross. A little further into history... Or I guess a little sooner, closer in our timeline, whatever. <laughs> George Jurdjieff. This man was an Armenian philosopher and Christian mystic. Now, I know what you're thinking because I know what I was thinking. <laughs> I hear Christian mystic, and I'm like, oh, that's an oxymoron. That's like saying jumbo shrimp. Weird. So, there is a definition of mystic that can, you know, go along with Christian. Believing in a deity that has truth beyond our intellect. This man does not elaborate much on his work at all and much that he did, de- anything that he did. All we really know about him is that he taught the Enneagram, or what was the Enneagram, but not yet named as ritualistic dance moves that were connected to a feeling or sense that the process represented. Is that confusing to you? Because that is confusing to me. So he was basically teaching people that they could do these dances that were almost like rituals. Um, It didn't say the word ritual, but as if you find it in the article and read it, it did sound very ritualistic. And they were trying to connect this feeling or sense to a process that they were studying together. At the surface, it may not look harmful, but truthfully, truthfully it is. We'll get into in a little bit some scripture that kind of denotes, does denote what this guy was doing, what George was doing and his student. P.D. Uspensky, He did attribute his work to George, his teacher, and he did not quite connect the Enneagram with personality. But again, we are still developing the foundation of what was going to be to come. But this guy, a direct quote, saw the Enneagram or what was as a symbol of the cosmos that was not yet connected with personality. So he saw it as a symbol of the universe, of the stars. Astrology, really. He was thinking of it as, I guess, what they had then of zodiac signs and anything that they, when they read the stars to tell futures or anything like that. So, like I said, it's pretty much astrology. And I have an issue with astrology. We haven't really gone into the depth of that because that goes super deep into scripture as well and how astrologers and the zodiac signs and everything are terrible and demonic and people should not be using them. Now, I'm going to read partially from Isaiah 47. This just to give you a little bit of context is Isaiah speaking words from the Lord predicting Babylon's fall. Now, use your magical tar- charms, use the spells you have worked at all these years. Maybe they'll do you some good. Maybe they can make someone afraid of you. All the advice you receive has made you tired. Where are all your astrologers? Those stargazers who make predictions each month. But they are like straw burning in a fire. They cannot save themselves from the flame. You will get no help from them at all. Their hearth is no place to sit for warmth. And all your friends... Those with whom you've done business since childhood, obviously this is very specific to the Babylonians, uh, business since childhood will go their own ways, turning a deaf ear to your cries. So these astrologers, astrologists, astrologers, whatever, either or, (laughs) these people that think they know everything because of looking at the stars and reading your future because of it, they are like a straw burning in a fire, and they cannot save themselves. Friend, if they cannot save themselves, how are they going to save you and give you peace? Because our God is a God of peace, and he gives us peace that surpasses all understanding, and that peace guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So go to him for peace and go to him for wisdom because he is the God of all wisdom. He is the God of all peace. Okay, cool. This next guy's name is Oscar Echazo. Oscar Echazo, <laughs> he was the first one that really connected the Enneagram to personality. And he brought that personality piece into it. So it was before, it was just kind of a feeling, an essence, or whatever. And then personality came into it. Now, how did he do this? <laughs> he claims um, that he was visited by the Archangel Metroton. While he was high on a hallucinogen. So, <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit wrong with this. Um, just, just a little bit. But this guy was high on drugs, which are also sinful because it allows you to be out of control of your own body and your body is a temple of the lord that you need to nourish and serve well because this body is not our own he was visited by the archangel or what he believes to be the archangel metronon so he believes not he was not visited by a demon but rather an angel now this archangel that he was claimed to be visited by, there's a myth in Hebrew culture that this archangel, Metronon, is Enoch. If you don't know who Enoch is, Enoch was in the Old Testament and he, was, he never died. He, was ascend, he ascended into heaven with the Lord while he was still alive. So he, his physical body never passed away. The Lord just took him up to heaven and that was it. He was brought to the Lord, never died. This is also never confirmed. This is, again, just a myth that was made up by man. There's no scripture to back it up. There is no prophet that said this. This is literally a myth. This is also a quote from this man, Oscar, that I wanted to read to you and debunk a little bit as to things that he believed and why i believe they're wrong. And this is a quote that he has never retracted. This is something that he states and believed and fully held onto. All right, so let's let's get into this. It's kind of long, so stick with me. We have to distinguish between a man at his essence and as he is in ego and personality. In essence, every person is perfect, fearless, and in loving unity with the entire cosmos. There is no conflict within the head, heart, and stomach, or between the person and others. Then something happens. The ego begins to develop karma, and it accumulates. There is a transition from objectivity to subjectivity. Man falls from essence to personality. So he believes that personality is something that is created after a person falls from this perfect essence, quote unquote, perfect essence. So like I said, my first entanglement with this, struggle with this, is the fact that he claims us to be in unity with the cosmos, which we are not. We are in loving unity with Christ once we accept him as our savior. Um, See gospel episode if you have questions about that. And nothing can separate us from that love. Let's read Romans 8, 38 through 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we are not in unity with the cosmos. Once we choose Christ and are with him, we are in unity with him in love and nothing can separate us from that love as long as we are truly saved. He also states that man is perfect, And fearless. And that also is is not true. I'm sure you know if you have this scripture memorized that this is where I am going with this. Romans 3 23. For everyone has sinned, we are all falling short of God's glorious standards. Sin, if you have not listened to this episode or unfamiliar with the definition of sin going against what the lord says really meaning that we are not perfect we're fallen we're human we're sinful we go against what he says all the time whether we mean to or not we are not perfect we are far from it now He also believes that every person, based on this quote right here, in full context, I'm not saying anything to make it sound worse or better than it is. From the beginning of this quote, he's basically saying everybody starts out really good. Everybody starts out perfect, and then karma happens, which is just some weird juju, I guess, as people would say, and then people would get really bad based on decisions that they make. Now, He's nearly there, kind of, but not really. So close yet so far. He's right in the sense that when the Lord created us, and not that he even thinks the Lord created man, but when the Lord first created man in Genesis, Adam and Eve, they were perfect. They were made in the image of God, which is a perfect image. And we are still created in the image of God today. We just sin, but they were perfect. And then they fell into sin, into temptation, and then they were no longer perfect. So really, today, since sin has entered the world, we all start off bad. We, none of us start off perfectly, even from birth, even from conception. We all start off bad and sinful. We then are saved through Christ, and by Christ, we are redeemed. We are made new. We are righteous in the eyes of the Lord. So really, he's got it a little backwards. He says we're perfect, and then just because of bad karma, things go wrong. He also says that in the beginning of this, before we turn into our personality and are still in our quote-unquote essence, that there is no conflict and division within ourselves or with other people, which honestly is so false. In almost every book of the Bible, there are scriptures that tell us how we should go about handling when there is a quarrel, when there is division, when there is an argument or a disagreement. We talked about last week, there, is, there are roots of division within spiritual warfare. That's one of the roots, but that is literally something that happens on a daily basis from the day that the devil fell from heaven, there was division. Immediately there was division. Because at that point in time, he was then trying to get creation on his side. The devil was trying to get creation on his side rather than worship the Lord in one voice as an entire creation. So there has always been Division. We read this last week, and let's read it again from Ephesians 6. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Division, conflict, quarrels. It's there, and we're never going to escape it. It's how we respond to it that is going to change and shift us. I also want to back up for just one moment and kind of reiterate something that I said a second ago. I'm going to go to Romans 11 real quick. 33 through 35. Lowell, Ramon Lowell, who I talked about second, he, if you remember correctly, he stated that everything could be understood through elemental truths. But to be honest with you, that is so false we are not meant to know everything even in the beginning when the lord created the heavens and the earth and then he went on to create adam and eve he hid from them sin and bad they only knew good and they only knew perfection they did not know evil that is why when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were then knowledgeable of evil. We don't know everything. We are not supposed to know everything. And again, Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it uh, it for us to understand his decisions and his ways for who can know the Lord's thoughts who knows enough to give him advice and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory all glory to him forever and ever amen so again that kind of defeats the thoughts of both of these people of Oscar and Ramon also want to take another pause real quick and read Galatians 5:19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear: sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, Um, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, um, I have read these both whenever I was reading my notes, and I've read them in a a handful of different translations, and there are a handful of different words that are used that all essentially mean the same thing um sorcery is one of them that's a word that i feel like we all kind of know but we've never really read the definition of and i really want to take the time to define these for us so that we know these sinful natures and these sins of the world that we are dealing with sorcery the use of power gained from the assistance or control of evil spirits especially for divining McKenna, what's divining? I don't know. I had to look it up. All right, you ready? Divining. Discover by guesswork or intuition or having supernatural or magical insight. I want you to remember these two specifically as we move into what um, what the next guy has done and believed. You could also connect this sorcery slash divining to Oscar, the guy who claimed to have been visited by Metronon or Metroton, whatever his name is. Every time I want to say Megatron. So if I do just say Megatron, just know I'm talking about the archangel guy that people think is Enoch, but really isn't Enoch, or we really don't know. It's just a myth. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. This guy used power gained from the assistance of an evil spirit. And it was by guesswork or intuition with supernatural and magical insight. Okay? That is spoken against. Instead, it is a sinful nature. And one of these guys already did it. Idolatry. The worship of a physical object is a god or an attachment or a devotion to something. We see a lot of idols in the Old Testament, and even some in the New, where people have these physical objects, a lot of cows or objects of random plants or anything that you might see, and so that might be what you think an idol looks like. Obviously, you've probably been in church and been like, your phone can be your idol, which is true, Um, but also, I feel like, personally, from what I have seen, a lot of people make an idol of the Enneagram, which in and of itself is very sinful and as we have read a lot of these quotes a lot of these people and we will continue to see this and if you choose to dig deeper into this on your own you'll see that a lot of this aligns with an idolatry of astrology and of the stars and of the universe now this one is also the next one orgies this is also something you could have pinned with oscar with his hallucinogen um drunk revelry that is in excess and it is in something especially to satisfy an inordinate appetite or craving now do we know that he was trying to satisfy some sort of appetite or craving not necessarily but he was in drunken revelry and having an excess indulgence in this drug and it had taken over him sensuality this is similar to what the george guy was doing so remember how i said he was doing a lot of those ritualistic dances and had a lot to do with feeling and all of this know that i did not rewrite what these websites were saying what these guys did to match these definitions so know this because these are going to sound eerily similar devoted to or preoccupied with the senses or appetites related to or or consisting of gratification of the senses. If you don't remember what I said about George, he taught the Enneagram as a ritualistic dance or with ritualistic dance moves that were connected to feeling or senses that whatever process they were studying represented and sensuality is being devoted to or preoccupied with the senses or appetites related to, related to or consisting of the gratification of the senses. Y'all, I am not making this stuff up. Moving on to more about what Oscar was influenced by. He was also heavily influenced by Plato. Um, and Plato had... These divine forms. Honestly, y'all, I literally sat for 30 minutes straight trying to understand what in the world these divine forms meant. It is so confusing. And I just have to say, our God is a God of clarity and peace. And He is not, an, he is not the author of confusion, He does not cause confusion. And so reading this and having it be so mind-boggling proves to me even more so that this is not from him. But essentially, he is saying that the forms that he thought up or this concept that he thought of are basically the most real and pure thing that are in existence. And he says this, Sorry if y'all can hear the rain and thunder as well. It's definitely thundering outside and it definitely wasn't when we started. Um, He explains it like this. There's an example where he states the pure divine, if you will, form of a circle, perfect circle. You can think of it in your mind, but there are no true perfect circles in nature yet we have a quote-unquote divine form of a circle in our minds. So that means everything has a true quote-unquote divine form that lives in our minds and that everything is pure and real and perfect in our minds because of this divine form. We can't find it in nature, but yet our minds create this type of form. I don't get it. He was also heavily influenced by something called Kabbalah. Kabbalah is occult knowledge, bringing divine knowledge to people. And they do it in different ways. They do it by trying to cover, uncover hidden meaning in text, whatever text it may be. It really didn't specify, so I'm going to assume there's a handful of things that they use and they can really find anything. Now, they, by this hidden meaning, they discover it on their own or they, they have these people called Kabbalah, Kabbalish masters and think of it like the Pope for Kabbalah. They basically have the ultimate say and anything that comes out of their mouth is true to these people. This last part, direct revelation of um, an angel, spirit possession or supernatural experience. Now, these people claim angel, but reading into the depth of what these people are talking about, I believe it is truly only evil spirits, demonic spirits, that these people are encountering. James 1:5. If you need wisdom, because these people clearly want wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. This proves two things that if you need wisdom, go to the Lord, duh. But secondly, why I believe that they are not in contact with a spirit of the Lord or what they claim to be a spirit of God. Because these people's um, loyalty is clearly divided. And it says, if your loyalty is divided, you will not receive anything from the Lord. These people are talking about spirit possession they have this kabbalah master that they look to as almost a god an idol and they're trying to uncover this hidden meaning in their text by themselves because they think they can do it on their own and that the forms that are in their head that plato was talking about are the perfect forms and the true divine forms and that we have that knowledge and that we are in unity with the cosmos you can't be in unity with the cosmos and in unity with the god of love you have to pick a side. You have to be either, either be hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, he will spit you out. I mean, he'll send you to the pit of hell if you cold, but I mean, pick one. Micah 5.12. In that day, says the Lord, I will slaughter your horses, or this is 5.10, I'm sorry. In that day, says the Lord, I will slaughter your horses and destroy your chariots. I will tear down your walls and demolish your defensives. I will put an end to all witchcraft and there will be no more fortune tellers. I will destroy all your idols and sacred pillars, so you will never again worship the work of your own hands. I will abolish your idol shrines with their Asherah poles and destroy your pagan cities. I will pour out my vengeance on all the nations that refuse to obey me. I will abolish your idol shrines. You will never again worship the work of your own hands. That sounds a lot like what these people are doing. This was the Lord warning um, a city back in the Old Testament about some of the sins that they were committing through idolatry and other things as well. Um, This is just one small portion of their warnings. But we are not made to worship the things that we create or that come out of our own minds. We're not. The Lord will pour out his vengeance on all the nations that refuse to obey him. That's scary. But it also disproves all of this study that has gone up to this point for the Enneagram and has proven it to be fully against the Lord and anything that is not fully for the Lord is underneath working for the prince of darkness. The spirit of of the air, which is also known as the devil. If you are not for the Lord, you are against him. Leviticus 19, 31, and then 20, verse six. Do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord, your God. So when people are talking about um, being in direct with the Kabbalah, being in direct revelation with spirit position or supernatural experience, they don't know who they are talking to. I mean, obviously, it's an evil spirit, um, but you are not supposed to commune with these people that have that are with, around, whatever the spirit of the dead. I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. So set yourselves apart to be holy for I am the Lord, your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice for I am the Lord who makes you holy. Committing spiritual prostitution, cheating on the Lord. (laughs) Sorry. I feel like that's, it needed to be said like that. Um, these people that are consulting the spirits of the dead, he is going to cut them off. The people that keep consulting with the spirits of the dead. So just a thought for you that there is true bondage whenever you allow this Enneagram to take over your life, whether it is slowly or all at once. Now, one more guy. This guy is also very crazy. His name is Claudio Naranjo. Um, he is a student of our buddy Oscar. Oscar. Um, And he also um, connected the nine-point pentagram, not the nine-sided figure, it's a pentagram, the nine-sided pentagram um, to the personality type. So he was the one that kind of brought everything together. He brought in the personality, he brought in all of the backstory that we talked about at the beginning, and then he brought it in with this symbolic shape. So he was the one that really brought it home. And how did he do this prior to this point in the podcast? As I'm talking, you may not have been with me on the whole demonic situation. You may have been like, Yeah, it's sinful. I get it. But why use the word demonic? Like, I get this is the point that I need you to listen. This is the point where if you were not with me, you're going to be with me now. In the name of Jesus, I hope you are because I believe that this can change hearts and change lives because I truly believe that this is something that the devil is using to sneak into the lives of Christians via the church, via pastors, via other friends and people that just keep talking about the Enneagram and it's the devil is using this to bring down the church slowly but surely. That was a heavy claim. I'm going to tell you why. So, I just told you what Claudio did. He kind of brought everything together with the shape and the personality and all of the other cosmos situation, kind of brought it all into one and, you know, smothered out the details and made it look all pretty. How did he do this, you might ask? An enhanced state of consciousness and automatic writing. When this came out, he tried to cover it up um, and retract it and say that the automatic writing and the enhanced state of consciousness wasn't what we thought it was. I am going to read you what he says this automatic writing experience was like for him and what it truly was. And then I'm going to read you the true definition of automatic writing and what it is, period. This is what Claudio said. The automatic writing was a use of relaxed and enhanced states of consciousness to interlink concept in his mind and subconsciousness to create a meta structure of personality traits. Now, let me read you the encyclopedia, the Britannica Encyclopedia version of automatic writing. These synonyms for automatic writing did not come from Christian websites, did not come from the Gospel Coalition. These synonyms, Came from Enneagram websites or websites that um, supported these ideas and how they happened fully. Synonyms are also known as spirit writing. Ouija boards are also in this category. They also clarified, and I because I looked up a few things on how people even get into this. They claimed how easy it was to write. Um, to to be into automatic writing where, again, we'll read in a second what it truly is and how easy it is and how if you feel uncomfortable or feel guilty, don't stop. Just keep going because it will connect you to a deeper sense of self and an explanation of things that you did not realize were there. They don't tell you to stop, but keep going. So this is what it says that automatic writing truly is automatic writing in spiritualism writing produced involuntarily when the subject's attention is ostensibly directed elsewhere the phenomenon may occur when the subject is in an altered an, uh, an altered an alert waking state or in a hypnotic trance usually during a seance now do you not know what a seance is let me tell you In occultism, it is a meeting centered on a medium who seeks to communicate with spirits of the dead. Because strong light is said to hinder communication, a seance usually takes place in darkness or subdued light. generally involves six or eight people who normally form a circle and hold hands. Two things. Just take a pause before we go back to the automatic writing piece. A seance usually communicates with people of the dead, evil spirits, whatever. However you so choose to say that. What has scripture denounced several times, communicating with spirits of the dead, what will happen? You will not receive wisdom from the Lord. You will be cut off from him, and you are like the, the stalk that is on fire, a burning stalk. So moving on. What is produced may be unrelated words, fragments of poetry, epithets, puns, obscen- obscenities, or well-organized fantasies. During the late 19th century, at the height of the popular interest in this phenomenon, inspiration for automatic writing was generally attributed to external or supernatural forces. So not only, to going to take another pause again, um, not only is what this guy stated, Claudio, about automatic writing incorrect in the sense that he was just using it to connect with himself if you want to connect with yourself and figure out yourself just journal you don't need to go into an altered state of consciousness all right if you really want to know about yourself what do you need to do you need to contact the lord and ask him for wisdom and you need to be guided by the holy spirit who lives in you if you are a christian i mean clearly the holy spirit is not in these people because they're not christians but still okay oh my point (laughs) they um were attributed to external or supernatural forces. So what Claudio is saying is he was, that's not true. He was not just connecting with himself. He was connecting with an external or supernatural force. Again, this is an encyclopedia definition, which people claim to live by sometimes. And not only that, but we are also talking about scripture here, which is obviously the highest level of authority in our lives um, that we can read and physically know. Moving on. Since the advent around 1900 of around 1900 of theories of personality that postulate unconsciousness as well as consciousness motivation, the inspiration for automatic writing has been assumed to be completely internal. Modern psychodynamic theories, a personality purpose that traits, attitudes, motives, impulses, and memories that are in incompatible with the person's consciousness awareness may be disassociated from awareness and rarely expressed overtly in the course of normal waking behavior these elements may be revealed however in the content of automatic writing so this man is saying he was just trying to connect deeper with himself not true Because in automatic writing, you're in an altered state of consciousness, intentionally connecting with spirits of the dead or evil spirits or another supernatural force, whatever he believed it to be. Like I said, we have the Holy Spirit for guidance and wisdom. He is literally called the helper to help guide us, to help give us wisdom. The Lord will not deny us wisdom if we are fully loyal to him. We do not need a higher state of consciousness or spiritual being to tell us anything. James 3, 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Proverbs 117, or Proverbs 7 I'm sorry. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. These people that we have been talking about are despising wisdom. They are despising the true wisdom from the Lord and are therefore fools. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Okay, let's, let's talk like this for a second. Say this Claudio guy was for real. Say he was for real just saying, which we know he's not because of what we know automatic writing to be. Say in that process that he was doing of automatic writing, That he was truly just connecting with a higher state of consciousness within his own self. This verse here disproves and proves what he would be trying to do to be false. Do not depend on your own understanding. Do not look to a higher level of consciousness within your own self to find wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Verse seven: Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. James one five. We talked about this a second ago. If you need wisdom, wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And then Ephesians five to six to ten. Actually, you know, let's read a little bit further. Let's go to verse uh, three. Let there be no sexual sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talks, or coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Again, this is where we're going to pick up. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people from the light. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, instead expose them, as we are right now. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why they said it. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. I don't know if I commented on this a second ago. I can't remember if I did or not, but the fact about the seance and how bright light obstructs the communication with the spirits of the dead and the evil spirits I wonder why. Oh let me let me tell you why. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. now are we are we talking about physical light here? Like No, we're talking about the spirit of the Lord. But isn't it ironic? And again, if you are not fully convinced by what I'm saying, um, please, please pray to the Lord for discernment. And he will guide your steps and help you discern what is truly of him. In 1 John 4:1, it says this, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Hence, most of these people that we have talked about, Claudio, Oscar, George. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. None of these people claim the gospel of Christ, the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension to heaven. None of them. They all talk about the cosmos. They all talk about the universe and how we in our minds are perfect and can know everything. In Romans twelve two, it also says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function so it is with Christ's body we have many parts of one, we are many parts of one body and we belong to each other but allow God to transform your mind be transformed by the renewing of your mind and in that transforming and renewing The Lord will allow you if you ask for the wisdom and you are truly loyal to him, he will not hold back wisdom to discern this. Again, like I said, I'm super concerned about this because churches are building series on the Enneagram. It has has caused couples to break up that should probably be staying together, allowed friendships to be hindered or excused They've used it to solve problems or to not solve the problems and rather excuse them. And they've used it to gain wisdom when true wisdom comes from the Lord. Now, how did this get within the church? You might ask. It's honestly quite simple. Claudio, if you will, um, he spread once he finished his whole automatic writing situation and kind of cleared the air on what he thought automatic writing went, he spread this message to Catholic and this was 70s ish these people that promoted it um, these are just a few, former Jesuit Don Rizzo Franciscan friar Richard Rohr and late nun Suzanne Zerker In 1977, the former Jesuit, the former Jew, Rizzo co-founded the Enneagram Institute so that more people could have this knowledge. The Enneagram Institute is one of the resources that I have linked below. I really highly encourage you to look into it. Now, there are obviously holes and gaps that are filled in through the other articles that I have, but it just shows me how blind the church has become because this was spread straight to the Catholic community, straight to the Jewish community, and people believed it with no research. They forgot that they were supposed to gain wisdom from the Lord instead decided to gain wisdom from this, this tool that people have been pushing on them. So much so that one of them left the faith and went at it full time to a resource that is still fully active and updated to this day. So with all of that being said, I hope you now understand a more full picture of the Enneagram and why I am so passionate about this and why something so small is actually such a big deal to me and should be to the church. I challenge you to ask questions to people and bring them um, into the truth about what this Enneagram actually is if they talk about it with you. If your church talks about it or your pastor brings it up, don't go and harass them about it, but ask them. Just ask them if they know the history of it and share those resources with them. Share this podcast with them so that they can know the true history of it. Friends, you're the best. Thanks for sticking with me. If you did stick around all of this time, please leave a comment, give us a rate, a review, share us with your friends and with your people, especially if those people have used the Enneagram claim to love it, anything like that. I just want to share the truth about this so that this um, can be something that people know and talk about and is a conversation within Christian communities. Um, And also, please make sure you go follow us on Instagram at emerging.roots. Everything is in the uh, bio as well or in the show notes, whatever they're called. I also do, I don't know if you noticed, but I do link my Bible down there as well. So you can just see the version that I use, Um, but there's just some resources down there. And again, don't forget those resources are in the description. If you want to go deeper into study on any of these crazy people, (laughs) have a great rest of your day friends, and I'll see you next week.